To the late and beloved screenwriter Nora Ephron, who, in her time in Hollywood, wrote many wonderful romantic comedies that took fresh ideas and turned them eventually into cliches that Blake appropriated in his (laughs) string of terrible, just leading man efforts in his speeches about Christina. To Nora. To Nora. Cheers to That is a podcast dedicated to the deep questions of life that only a creative franchise like The Bachelor can inspire. Steph and J-Jack explore the stories, the drinks, and the bingo card-inducing drama on Cheers to That. Cheers! All right, so before we get into uh, our recaps and discussion for the week, uh, we got to talk about this week's cocktail. So I noticed... Uh, especially on Tuesday's episode, a lot of white wine being passed around. I think Matt Donald had like a bottle to himself. At least it looked that way. Uh, I like his style. Okay, so white wine, white wine. So um, here's a cocktail that would go perfectly on the beach with these guys. Uh, This is basically my own personal tequila-based white wine sangria. Very fruity, very light, very refreshing, easy to make at home. If you want to see the full recipe, check out our show notes at soundcloud.com slash cheers to that podcast. It's a very refreshing light sangria uh, that is going to be a mixture of tequila, peach schnapps, fresh lime, grapefruit juice, and uh, white wine. Check it out and let us know what you thought about it in the show notes. All right, gang. We just finished week five on Bachelor in Paradise, and it definitely feels like week 28,000 by now. We're getting in that weird spot where, every, I mean, and I, I forget who it was, but somebody even called it out and said, you know, this this is just such a hard thing because you come in and everybody's coupled up already. And it's true because if you're not coupled up, then you leave voluntarily or, you know, I mean, that's kind of the the mo at this point like people don't stick around to be eliminated at a rose ceremony anymore they just leave so um or in some cases come back and really (laughs) throw off the mix but after they remove their facial hair it's a very it's a very weird time because uh there's just not a lot of available people and so inevitably you step on some toes if you come in with a date card it's definitely calcified uh, as it always does around this time uh but it's still pretty damn dynamic. A lot of weird stuff's happening. There's a lot of curveballs this week. So let's get into a rapid recap. Rapid recap. Rapid recap. R- rapid recap. Rapid recap. Rapid recap. Wow, okay. Uh, it's no- sort of like a door opening and then it turned into um, Dylan. It sounded like a Velociraptor for a second. Velociraptor. Oh, Velociraptor. Velociraptor. Velociraptor recap. You're welcome. All right, let's move on. All right, in our rapid recap, we cover all the key things you need to know. There's no need to listen to an actual recap show. Here's what you need to know. All right, number one, Clay doesn't understand the premise of the show. What I mean by that is... He's so baffled that Angela would go on the show knowing how he f- would feel about that. Like, y- he does understand this is how the show works. Well, it's just not fair that, he, you know, she would come on there after she knows that he's on there. How dare she? After, like, every single one of the girls Blake has stooped at, at Stagecoach has sh- shown up. 
That's how you say it, right? Stooped. Yeah, stoop. It's a, like the funny Yiddish way of saying it. Uh, my my Yiddish is, I understand it, I don't speak it. <laughs> it's, it's poor. I'm not conversant in Yiddish. It couldn't possibly be that she was offered a large sum of money to come and kind of shake things up. Number two, Blake's villain status is complete. Did anyone else notice he has a huge giant head scar on his side of his head? Yeah, I was very confused by that. I, I didn't know if it was a surgery or some kind of accident or what, but it really does add to his, you know, villainous visage. Number three, JPJ doesn't need facts, and that is a fact. If you don't know what I'm referencing, uh, he talks about in an ITM how he knows Derek is full of crap. He can't think of any exact reasons why. But oh, that's right. He can't substantiate anything, but he just knows that as a fact. Because, you know, it's, it's de facto. So, of course, it's a fact. Number four, Haley asks, why do men treat women this way to the last man on the beach she should be asking? Yeah, don't, don't ask Blake that question. Number five, JPJ might be the Joker. I mean, he does kind of look like Heath Ledger, so. Well, the, the, the cackle. No, I know, but I mean, I'm just mm. saying it all, it all fits. Uh, number six, apparently Mike and Sydney aren't a thing anymore. Anybody catch that? That was the most yeah. undr- undramatic breakup in the history of Bachelor. Chris Harrison saying, the most undramatic breakup yet. Number seven, Matt Donald cares an awful lot about his mom. Yeah, I just, you know, it was a little surprising that that's the first thing on his mind when he's trying to kiss somebody number eight uh jpj talks about how uneasy he feels by using the word dis-ease um a a disease is something different buddy (laughs) Uh, number nine dylan feeds hannah with a fork at one point i was really hoping he would do the airplane sound (laughs) down the hatch big girl Number 10, Blake must have watched Harry Met Sally before going to Mexico. I think he binged on like the rom-com station on Netflix or something because it was just one Hugh Grantism after another. Number 11, Matt Donald is 12. Bless. I mean 12. Uh, Speaking of 12, uh, Dean must have listened to last week's podcast because he came back to face his fears. You're welcome, Dean. Yeah, and, you know, he also took our advice on personal grooming and got rid of that horrible stash, so, you know. Well, that was your idea. I like the stash. And number 13, when Hannah moves to Cali, she can go on walks. And we can walk to brunch, and we can have avocado toast. (laughs) Now let's get into the deep dive and the questions that plague us as we explore this week at Bachelor Paradise. All right, the the first thing that came to mind when thinking of, you know, what to explore, what to debate for this episode is this there's been a running theme through this entire series this summer, and that is that this is the mini speech season. And what I'm talking about is somebody started this trend and everyone followed suit where you give your rose to someone at the rose ceremony and you give a little speech. You don't just say <laughs> you don't just say we accept this rose, you will say every day is another day that we do the days together and I hope that we spend more days doing the day things together. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know if they caught wind of the fact that it's like a campaign year or what, but there's a lot of stumping going on for these relationships. I mean, they're really trying to uh, give them 
give them a narrative uh, in the brief window of time when they have the floor. And uh, like my favorites was Tasha, clearly because it was very punny. She said, um, John, I something like John. There are a lot of fish in the sea, but you're the only fish I see. <laughs> Gotta hand it to her. Yeah. So here's something that kind of bothered me um, in Monday's episode. You know, there's a big shouting match between Derek and JPJ. And, you know, Blake is commenting to the girls about how, how unattractive is this to you guys right now? And they're like, oh, yeah, I know. It's so gross. And it seemed, I, I thought it was kind of un- unfair how they like kind of put JPJ and and Derek in the same camp. Like Derek was trying to find peace in the situation and JPJ was escalating. And then, I mean, Derek's intentions I thought were really good. And um, Taysha was kind of looking at him in the same light as JPJ as if they're both just being little boys. And Derek got the, I feel like Derek got the most shade thrown on him post fight out of the whole bunch. Did you notice anything like that? Yeah, they were really saying that both of them were acting like, you know, 13-year-olds or, or whatever. And, I, yeah, that didn't seem very even-handed because Derek was literally not allowed to respond. I mean, JPJ was, was kind of was kind of filibustering the whole thing, going like, nope, 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 nope. And just <laughs> not, a, like, not allowing physical... Also cackling madly. That was fun. Yeah, it was very uncomfortable, really. But um, yeah, just really blocking out any opportunity for him to have any physical space um, or time to produce words. So it it didn't seem like it didn't seem very fair that uh, he he was just trying to find an opportunity to get to explain himself a little bit better after having accusations hurled at him. So I don't see what's so immature about that. And it may, it may be one of those things where they the other contestants watch this back and go, oh yeah, that kind of that kind of sucked. So they might, it, it they might get a little like clarity. Blake was trying to like get some one upsmanship in this. Like, look at these little boys. Aren't you impressed by how not childish I am in the situation? It just seemed like a, a way to kind of make yourself look better. Well, Blake is all about any opportunity to make himself look better. But um, whether he's successful is uh, a different story outside of his own head. I guess we'll find out next week how that goes. Um, so Derek leaves the show. And then later on, we find out that Mike leaves the show. And these are my two guys that I'm kind of rooting for to be the next lead. At this point in time, it's hard to say, based on the current footage, who that might be. I'm thinking if they do the kind of post-show interviews, like the men Mm -hmm. tell all kind of thing. They'll do an after paradise, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, that'll be what kind of decides it. But like based on how the episodes went this week, I think Derek... Still looks sympathetic. Mike Mike looks sympathetic, obviously, but he just didn't have a lot of screen time and not a lot of dynamic uh, during the whole season. Yeah, they both had an edit that allowed for the possibility of them being Bachelor, which I thought was really interesting because sometimes it's really obvious. It's like, oh... I mean, and it felt like it was kind of obvious that they were heading toward Derek because he all of a sudden was looking really, really sympathetic and they were paying lots of attention and giving him lots of opportunity to say, like... I'm I'm never picked. People say I'm such a good guy, but I I'm I'm always passed over and which I have thoughts about later, but yeah. Sure, but like, you know, when's it going to be my time? It's sort of like, well, how about this fall on <laughs> or I mean, whenever it is. But they kind of did the same thing, not to as great an extent as with Derek, but they still like when when Mike got into the reject SUV, 
he's going <laughs> he's going like well i i just feel like the kid who's who's sitting inside looking out and everyone else is playing i was like Man, that, okay that's heartbreaking and very vivid mm-hmm. and it, it felt like okay well maybe they can put together a little intro package that will go like okay maybe it's his time and you know i mean we we have no idea the the machinations that are going on behind the scenes it could be that they have to clear everything i mean i know when jojo was bachelorette it was after they had already filmed like those introductory videos and and footage for kayla to be bachelorette and they were like in her hometown and doing all this stuff and so wow yeah and so um and they made the switch later and so it could be that they have like a couple irons in the fire and they don't know what yet which one it would be i think the only other option for bachelor at this point without doing a really deep dive like they did with ari and we all know how that worked out Mm. i love that i love that um is to do peter but mm, it's been long enough. He should be over her by now. Yeah, well, sure. And but I I don't know. I I feel like the whole windmill thing may have uh, ruined his his pristine image. That oh, that been, Peter. Been... I was thinking about Rachel's. Peter. Oh, not Peter Kraus. No, hmm. no, not that Peter. One could only hope. <laughs> Whatever. I don't. He's not. He he's okay. Um, sure, but... he sure is. <laughs> um, no. Uh, Pilot Pete. Yeah. Um yeah, he, he would be he would be good, but he the whole four times in a windmill thing, I, I think they like their their bachelors to have a little bit more it'd be, it'd decorum. Be the, it'd be the exact opposite of Colton. It's like, it would. It's like guess who's not a virgin? Yeah. W- will Peter find true love? Will he do it five times in a windmill? Yeah, I mean if he became bachelor, I there is no doubt there would be just endless windmill gags on the red carpet the first night. Yikes. Or on the at, the at the limo exits. Mm-hmm. So at this point, it really could be either one of them. So shout out to our friend uh, Mike, who's who's watching The Bachelor for the first time, um, and starting with season six of Bachelor in Paradise. What a uh, what a bold move to just jump in with no context. But hey, but it's never too late to uh, join a winning franchise. <laughs> so um, Mike is the one that got us into Survivor. And what's so funny is is kind of going over these episodes with him behind the scenes is that he's always thinking like, oh, so-and-so is making this move in order to look good for this reason, and so-and-so is doing this for that reason. And he's thinking of it like a game, like Survivor. And there there is some gamesmanship for sure, but what I where I think Survivor and Bachelor do not cross over, there is no touch in the Venn diagram, is that the producer's on Bachelor have absolute control over everything while in Survivor being basically a game that you play if you the the producers aren't picking and choosing who wins the actual players are and so no matter what Derek does no matter what Mike does the producers have complete say over what gets edited what gets left out a, a great example of this was was the fight in the last BIP season when grocery store Joe actually started the fight with with leo and they edited it so it looked like leo was the one that actually started the fight because and because leo was painted as the villain and joe was painted as the hero and reality is they couldn't keep that arc going if they had footage of joe picking a fight with leo yeah it's a good point and i i have to say though regardless of if it's one of those two guys 
And even if it was Peter, honestly, all three of them, all older than Colton, they're all older than Hannah Bay. And I think that helps a little bit. I think there's a little bit of a groundedness with somebody like Derek, especially. He really knows this franchise, so he knows what he's getting into. He's got that kind of like, I paid my dues quality about him. But any of them, honestly, I think have enough like emotional maturity and presence of mind that they're not going to be a total disaster. Um, I think this show can be kind of hard on people psychologically. And so I think they all have enough sense of self to, uh, to carry him through to the other side of Instagram endorsements and whatever else uh, these crazy millennials want to pursue. Yeah. At least in survivor, when you get kicked off, you get to you get a free session with a psychologist uh, if you get like totally smashed in in Bachelor, uh, you might get an extra couple thousand Instagram followers, and that's about it. And I do think that well, I know that they do have a therapist kind of on retainer hanging out there uh, and working with the contestants. But I'm thinking more of like the post show feeling, like afterward right. they it's it's like this huge letdown because they've been through this whirlwind thing, and then they're really lacking support afterward and so i know that can be kind of hard on people hannah hannah based has even made some mention of that that she's just like life is so different now and i think it really requires you to have a pretty good grasp on who you are and what you want and and what you're doing in life instead of just being like okay i don't know whatever whatever you think um that's why a lot of people were actually hoping she would end her season single um because I mean she's just so damn young she's only 24 years old so and she went through a real metamorphosis of sense of self because I mean we saw on Colton's season she couldn't even give a toast and then to go from that to like addressing Bachelor Nation and being like I'm partially responsible for this and I'm so sorry and blah 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 you know on camera like facing the camera like she's Francis Underwood I mean it was it was impressive (laughs) she was commanding and so she really went through a personal uh personal growth All right, gang, it's the beloved pastime of every Baptist church hall and retirement home the world over. It's bingo, uh, and it's also your favorite game as well. Bachelor Bingo, if you're playing it with us, uh, here are the squares that got crossed off in week five. All right, episode nine, misused the English language. Nicole uses the word shooken. That's not a thing. Blurred body part, Mike cusses while chatting with Angela. Uh, bitching about someone, Nicole and Tasha uh, bitch about Angela. Uh, kissing in water, Angela and Mike kiss in a boat. It counts. Exercise on the beach, Clay uses this funny rubber banding thing against a tree. Uh, love polygon, uh, we got our first quadrangle of the, of the week. That's JPJ, Tasha, Haley, and Derek. Derek. <laughs> uh, bad Spanish. Uh, Demi can't say the phrase uh, right during the shots of JPJ. Okay, we got we got a, a double here. We got um, lying to someone's face and drinking tequila. Christina, John Paul Jones, and Demi take tequila shots, and then John Paul Jones tells Haley he hasn't had anything to drink yet. Sobbing. Haley cries to Blake. Shouting match. Uh, Derek and JPJ. The word stagecoach, Christina says stagecoach 2017 in an ITM. Uh, she forgot what year she was in. Sunburn, Matt Donald's forehead in an ITM. And breaking up a couple, Tasha breaks up with Derek. All right, moving on to episode 10. DIY date, Demi sets up a cute little candle thing on the steps. 
and makes up a little date with Christian. Tequila being drunk in any form. That's Taisha drinking some sort of blue margarita while talking to JPJ. Bitching about someone. Clay bitches to Dylan about Angela going on a date. Body part blurred out. Taisha while doing that weird walk thing with Nicole. Also, Hannah's ass while watching Sunset with Dylan. Misuse the English language. Both Chase and Angela say drug out instead of dragged out. If you're drugged out, uh, we have other problems. Uh, love polygon. It's another quadrangle or love parallelogram, as I call it. Uh, Clay, Nicole, Angela, Chase, and Big Mike. All right, bad kissing. Uh, Matt and Sydney. Not because the kiss was bad, but just because it took so damn long for it to happen. But what a montage when it actually did. Am I right? Yeah. Visibly drunk. Katie, when Crispy asked her to be his girlfriend, she looked pretty tossed. Sobbing. Christina, while Blake talks to Bree, her voice goes down two octaves when she cries, by the way. The phrase, right reasons, Matt Donald uses it in an ITM. Date card decline. Blake turns down Bree's date card. Exercise on the beach. Clay and JPJ just grunting it out. And finally, sunburn. Connor is visibly sunburned in an ITM. Alright, so how well did you do? Let us know. Uh, Tag us on Instagram or comment in our show notes. And we'll see you next week. Moving on. Um, a, a few a few things happened this week that kind of trick like that kind of provoked me and made me think a little bit. There there's there's some themes running through this show that I think was worth addressing. One is week five, both Haley and Derek in separate situations kind of say the same thing. They say it's the whole what's wrong with me? People say I'm so great, I'm such a catch, how come I'm single? Da da da. And I mean, yeah, I've been single longer than I've been married, and so have you. And yes. we we've all heard that before. Like, oh, someday, someday, you're such a catch. Well, well, how come I'm not a catch right now? Like, you know, why, you know, why is why am I single right now? And it made me think about that because a bunch of people have experienced this. Even these uber pretty people on Bachelor in Paradise have experienced this. And so the question that comes to mind for me is when people say you're so great, you're so great, you're going to make somebody so happy, what do they really mean? Because hmm. the recipients of hearing that know that has to be bullshit in some way because you aren't going to date me, you know? Like, yeah. so so clearly something is wrong. What do you, what do you think in general? Of course, there's different context. What do you think people actually mean when they say, oh, someday you're going to make somebody so happy? Well, whenever I heard it, it was usually, and saying this sounds creepy, it wasn't, I promise, but it was usually from married men who were like, oh, you're going to be such a great wife to somebody, or like, why haven't you, why aren't you dating anybody, or why haven't you married anybody yet, or whatever, um, and I, I, it just, it kind of drove me crazy, because I was like, I don't know, I think I'm pretty cool, but, <laughs> but I, I usually deflected by saying something like, I don't know, he's probably in his room reading a book somewhere. Turns out some of that time he was in Australia. So, you know, we had a, a continental divide between us. We had some some ocean between us. Oi, banza. I don't know what that means. But uh, regardless, we uh, we just had some, some major distance to overcome um, before we could actually meet in person. But 
Well, but looking at the the case of Haley and Derek's context, what do you think that is? Yeah, I don't... I'm not sure. I think about Haley in context of being one of the twins on the show. And I realize that's not like the most respectful way to think of Haley, but that's how she's presented herself. I think she's a lot nicer without her twin. Did you notice that? Yeah. Well, I was going to say like they as a set were awful the -hmm. last time they were in paradise. And apparently like, well, and, Emily has always been kind of the one who is is in a serious relationship with somebody who's not on the show. Um, she's always been kind of the more boisterous one and like a little bit more extroverted, a little bit more, you know. The instigator. F- yeah, a little bit more fun loving. And Haley has, has presented a little bit more seriously and a little bit more quiet and introverted. But they've both kind of come across as a unit as being catty and and kind of mouthy and a little cruel. I mean, they were pretty cruel last time they were on Paradise. And so, mm-hmm. for one thing, cruelty is not attractive. Right. And um, and also being, like, aggressive and, and hostile isn't attractive. But also, I remember even when they were on Ben, ben Higgins' season, Haley was sent home. Like, they, they did a two-on-one date, and Haley was sent home uh, before Emily and Emily lasted quite a bit longer actually and it could have been because she was a little bit more upfront with her feelings a little bit more flirtatious and so maybe Haley is just giving off that vibe of like I'm not necessarily available I don't I'm I'm not I'm not smiling and being energetic and and fun and bubbly and I mean, you know, hey, you do you do your thing. Like, you don't owe anybody. Like, I'm not going to say, like, you should smile more. That's nasty. But um, but I'm just saying, like, in these kind of contexts where the kind of guys she's hoping to attract probably respond a little bit better to a little bit more open and inviting um, and obviously flirty body language and well, that, that sort of thing. But that was clearly what she did with JPJ, and it didn't work out. Like, she was very... Yeah, but JPJ's... He his his uh his concrete had already set. Well, that sounds so gross. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so gross. I'm so sorry. His uh, but yeah, he um he had already made up his mind. He was so stuck on Tasha. It it didn't matter. I mean, he still went out with her. And again, I don't know anything about Derek as a person, but from his behavior on the show, he seems a little like a serial monogamist. He seems like somebody who goes for a specific woman and sticks with her exclusively doesn't look elsewhere at all doesn't look at any other options and you know it it could be various factors that freak these women out but one of them could be that sometimes these women are just looking for something fun and to explore and kind of you know have a have a fling and he's he's jumping into commitment too fast for them um again these are things that don't matter like if if Haley met someone who found her lack of flirtatiousness kind of mysterious and intriguing, then it wouldn't matter. And if Derek met someone who was like, well, he, and he did with Taylor, honestly, and, and got engaged. And I, I think the reason cited for them breaking up was just like distance. Um, but that aside, like she was very about being serious too. So he he probably just needs to go with people who are like, yeah, I'm I'm down. I'm serious almost immediately and 
maybe it would work out for him, which is another reason he'd be a great lead because it's like, hey, let me pick from these 30 people and get engaged in, uh, in like a month and a half or whatever the shooting schedule is. The thing is, you, you hear this in the show a lot and you've heard, we've all heard our friends say this, not just this week, but uh, in past seasons, you know, people go in the, as you call it, the reject bus and they get sent home. The and reject it, SUV. Hey, uh, and um, the reject Escalade, rejectolade. Okay. All right, so... <laughs> Um, Rejectolate is really refreshing after a workout. <laughs> they say, why does this always happen to me? And of course, they're always beautiful people. And I'm like, you'll be fine. But like, everyone always says I'm so great. How come I'm still lonely? Da, da, da. And this is, my, this is my theory. The other observation I had from this week is, is a word that I think should be a four-letter word. And that is the word deserve. Deserve got thrown around a lot this week. This comes up a lot in the show. Like, you deserve to find love. You deserve to be happy. Uh, shows like Queer Eye, they say it a lot. Like, you deserve to be happy. And and honestly, I think that that concept is is seems innocuous, but is actually a very toxic idea. I'm kind of playing around with this as a, as a kind of a philosophical exercise. Like, why does anyone deserve anything ever? I don't... And I'm trying to find out... a. a a situation in which anyone actually deserves anything, um, especially love from a potential partner. I don't know when you ever actually deserve that. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. And what it makes me think of is that it's the kind of, it's the kind of language that you use when you talk about like you reap what you sow, and you know you, if you put in the work, like you only get out what you put in. Um, so. It really, it's it's language that's familiar to us, but it's familiar in a context of like commerce or labor of some kind. Like, mm-hmm. and it's, it, if, you, if you really think about it and you kind of carry it out to its logical conclusion, it makes relationships sound incredibly transactional. Right, right. Which is really gross. So, so here, here's, a, here's an, an analogy, like starting a business. Okay, starting a business is starting a business is exceptionally difficult. It requires a lot of time, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of hard work. And you could work really hard at a business for, let's say, two years and not yield any sort of results and say, this isn't fair. I, I've worked so hard. I deserve some success. Exactly. Well, but I'm saying like that's that's where we think about deserving actually making some sense. But in, but in, but I don't I don't think you do I don't think it does make sense because a business well, it doesn't always happen. But a, at least it like makes sense. The only way a business can be successful is if it solves a problem for somebody. So if I am starting a business where where I'm I'm creating and serving homemade pickle flavored lollipops and nobody wants them. Even though I worked really hard, I don't, I'm not owed anything because I'm not I'm not creating a product or a service that solves a big enough or valuable enough problem for someone to pay for it. I, as opposed to being an underwater welder or a surgeon who does uh, lung transplants, the, these are highly specialized services that people really need when they need them, and only a few people can provide them. So. I don't deserve millions of dollars in the bank if I didn't actually solve a million dollar problem for somebody. No, I think it's a good point because it makes me think about, I mean, and I feel like I'm, I keep throwing shade on millennials this episode. I am one. So, you know, I mean, I guess I can reappropriate that, that, uh, 
pejorative term, millennials, shaking my fist, you can't see it. Um, but there's the criticism of, well, millennials just, every, they, they want everybody to get a participation trophy. Like everyone gets a trophy, no, one, no one's sad. And that is an argument that could be pretty reasonably made, I think, for this kind of attitude. It's like, well, I put in some effort, I deserve to find love. And it's like, okay, well, if if everybody gets love, then it's not this rare and special thing, like the trophy for the people who actually win or the trophy for the, for the MVP of the team, if we're going to go continue with the soccer team analogy. You know what I mean? Well, the thing is, okay, so to love, I deserve love. Well, then the, the next question is love from whom? Love from that person? Love from... Love, love from somebody you don't find that attractive? Like, <laughs> Love, love from Olivia Munn, love from Guy Pierce. Like, like, why do you deserve love? Why do you? So, it becomes a far less abstract thing when you actually answer the, the question, "Love from whom?" So, man, you, Guy Pierce, that's a that's a deep cut. Well, <laughs> I, I'm a huge uh, Memento fan. So, anyway, so um, when you ask that question, it becomes a far less abstract thing. So, like, imagine. Derek saying, I deserve love. Well, from whom? From Tasha. Okay, why does Tasha? why is Tasha obligated to give you love? It becomes a very absurd expectation once you put it in, the, in that context. Nobody deserves love from every, anyone. Everyone should have love because it's a good thing, but no one deserves it. If someone gives you love, it's a gift that they gave you of their own volition. Because people are walking around saying, you know, I've put it out in the universe, I deserve love, then they get met with these disappointments, like on this show, and they go, I don't get it, I did this, I did that. And it's so funny, because there's so much uh, hate online about incels, and understandably so, but that's basically that exact same logic played out to its furthest conclusion. Like, with less attractive people, and so it seems less reasonable. But it's not any less reasonable, really. But Haley or Derek or any other contestant who got sent home in the rejectolade is basically performing that exact same behavior. And it helps replenish your rejectolites. <laughs> I had a thought about this. So yeah, so I'm I'm just kind of wrestling with the idea that I, I don't know if anyone ever deserves anything. I believe everyone should have good things, but not because they deserve them, but because they're actually gifts. And I, I think if we started to practice that more often, we'd be way more content and way more appreciative of, of what we have. Yeah, just having gratitude and, and, and being generous toward others and recognizing it, like you said, as as something that is undeserved, but is still really special and amazing. Like what a, what a gift the, these relationships and these experiences are, then it doesn't become this like petty thing. The, I mean, the most absurd version of this was when Kaylin in an ITM says, oh, Blake deserves a second chance to find love. How the hell does Blake deserve any chance to do anything at this point? I know. I, I said, you were there, but I like said out loud to the TV, does he? <laughs> yeah, it's... He's had 50 chances at, at this point. Yeah, all that pattern of thinking does, it sets up expectations for you that are inevitably going to disappoint you, and that's just so unnecessary. What What would be really refreshing is if you know, once in a while, you'll, you'll hear somebody on the beach, you know, next to the fire or something say like, well, I really hope that works out for you. I, I want good things for you. 
But then they follow it with, you deserve that. And I'm like, no, no, you were, you were like three fourths of it was right. Like, it's okay to want good things for somebody else, but it doesn't have to be because somehow they're owed it by the universe. Well, I mean, you you see it with JPJ and Tasha, which I mean, by the way, like by the time this whole arc is over, I don't know what to think because you do see in the previews next week, two sets of biracial hands giving a ring to each other. I kind of wonder if those were shot as just like red herrings. I know that's like really conspiracy theorist of me, but I'm I'm kind of wondering. I mean, I wouldn't put it past the producers, but it's like, okay, one of these is Chris B and Katie. And then is that JPJ and Tasha? Because the other hand looks uh, really kind of thin and long like Tasha's fingers. And I'm like, hmm. Anyway, so I don't really know what to think. But what I'm seeing so far is JPJ's self-narrative is basically, I've been looking for my wife since I was 18, which is totally healthy. And, and wasn't that like six years ago? I don't know. <laughs> and I've, I've met her. I've been hanging out with her on a beach for, um, they say, four weeks. It's been like six days, seven days at this point. And by golly, I'm going to get her. Uh, and it's like, what is... Tasha had to say about this it's basically it becomes this kind of like I've I've earned it I've worked hard enough I'm gonna go get it and and a lot of people out there are gonna say that's just so how men think but it's not just how men think it's how women think too because you've seen lots of female contestants including Haley say the same thing how come how come it's not me everyone always says I'm so great how come it's not me it's 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 a it's a human thing and it's kind of gross yeah I will say not exactly in Haley's defense, but maybe just to round out Haley a little bit and be just for fairness sake. She is an identical twin or at least a fraternal twin who looks an awful lot like her sister. And that would mess with your head a little bit, I think, to have your sister be nearly engaged and to feel like, wait, should I be in that place in my life? And just to have that, con- I mean, she's had a comparison her entire life. Yeah, that, that is really weird. She's basically been treated as a set probably her entire life. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be a little bit, traumatic might be too strong a word, but it would definitely kind of give you pause, I think, to... To It'd complicate things. Yeah, just to be like, oh, I've been compared to this person my entire life, and they're going through this major milestone, and what am I doing? You know, it's it would be, uh, it would give you uh, definitely plenty to think about and and get in your head, as they say on the beach. Well, I guess I have to be gracious to some degree in this episode. Nah. So speaking of being gracious, um, I guess we wouldn't be good Bachelor recap podcast hosts if we didn't talk about the whole Blake down part three, uh, Blake and Christina. Yeah, I it was it was just comical to me, y'all. Like when when Blake was like. You've just, you've been in front of me this whole time. <laughs> you were there all along. And I just, and, and he, I'm, I'm serious, y'all. This is why I toasted to Nora Ephron. Like, he, he bastardized a line from a great movie when Harry met Sally, when Harry says, because when you find the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible, which is a great Mm, such a great line and it's mm-hmm. delivered by Billy Crystal who is magical to Meg Ryan before she got all the fillers and the fish lips and mm-hmm. it was just so good and he just said it really badly about Christina and she's just sitting there like rolling her eyes and I was just like these two I mean want to talk about deserving these two deserve each other <laughs> I just uh it, it just it plays out so blatantly 
or blakently. Uh, <laughs> blakently. A bl- yeah, it's a, it's a blakent statement. Okay, anyway, so um, <laughs> it plays out so blatantly on the screen that he's just scrambling to recover this kind of arc that he wanted so bad. He's like, it's like every other day, it's like this new attempt to go, like, no, 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 I'm, I'm the good guy here. Uh, and the producers are going to, you know, paint this picture of me. And it's just, it's, it, it's so not compelling. It's, I, I'm, uh, I'm, next week's just going to be a complete dumpster fire. I mean, Christina wasn't convinced and neither were we. Well, uh, guys, what do you think? Um, are we totally off base? Um, do you have any comments you want to share? Feel free to let us know at soundcloud.com slash cheers to that podcast. Leave us a comment. And if you want to help us out, please um, leave us a review on iTunes. It really does make a big difference. Uh, and if you know anyone else who's as into watching the show slash hate watching the show uh, like we are, then please uh, uh, recommend it to them. And of course, we always appreciate positive glowing reviews wherever you get your podcast and uh, follow us on instagram at cheers to that podcast and uh, just let us know what was your favorite animal from the nature documentary montage after old matt donald and sydney finally kissed okay gang we're uh, getting close to the end of the season hopefully it won't uh, end in a whimper uh, we'll find out along with you next week uh, until then Cheers. Cheers.